Welcome to Shetland with Laurie, a podcast dedicated to Shetland, the place and the people, with me, Laurie Goodland, a writer and tour guide based at 60 degrees north. The Shetland with Laurie podcast is for people who have visited Shetland, or who would like to visit, or for those who would just like to know a little bit more about life here. So welcome, I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome back to today's show. This one is a bit of a different episode and it's a kind of a break from the norm for me as it's a solo show so I've got no guest speakers on today and today I want to talk about walking in Shetland and more specifically about accessing the outdoors safely both as visitors and locals. It's something that I'm asked about a lot by people when they're here in Shetland and they want to know where they can go, where they can't go. And the the truth is, really, in Shetland, we have the Scottish Outdoor Access Code. So really, you can go anywhere uh, within reason. And there are loads of ideas for walking on Promote Shetland's walking pages, which I will link in the show notes. And there's a few walk suggestions on my blog that I will also link for anybody that kind of wants to get off the beaten path a bit. Um, It's going to be a bit of a funny show today. And what I don't want is I don't want it to sound like I am lecturing anybody or telling people what they can and cannot do. But I hope that it just gives uh, a breakdown and a better understanding for people about what you can do in the outdoors, especially for those who are coming into Shetland who maybe don't know the outdoor access code and the kind of rights and responsibilities that that holds, but also to act as a reminder for local people as well about how to best access the outdoors here in Shetland and how to do it safely and um, kind of with the best the, the best interests for everybody at the kind of root of what you're doing. And I've been speaking to loads of, um, or quite a few local crofters or landowners recently. And in truth, they're feeling a bit exasperated at what they see as a a disregard for the landscape, and especially for those who work in it. And after talking to them, they are urging people really to get to know the Scottish Outdoor Access Code before they head out into the countryside. And many of them have described, particularly this summer, as a crazy summer in terms of visitors into some areas of Shetland. Many of our kind of top beauty spots have seen more traffic than Piccadilly Circus since lockdown was lifted, as predominantly locals kind of took the opportunity to visit places of kind of outstanding natural beauty like Westerwick, Featherland, uh, Mucklerose Scenic Area, uh, Oya and various other places throughout Shetland from the north right down to the south. And while this is great and we should all learn to appreciate what's on our doorstep a bit more, we also need to remember that with this right to roam comes responsibility and that's the responsibility to treat the landscape, its inhabitants and the people who work the land with respect. So in Scotland, and this applies to Shetland too, we have the freedom to roam and most areas are accessible through the Scottish Outdoor Access Code, but you must do it responsibly. So Scottish access rights apply, for example, to hills and moors, forests and woods, beaches and the coast, 
rivers and lochs, parks and some types of farmland, but there are some common sense exceptions, which include houses and gardens, other buildings, their yards, compounds, school grounds and places which charge for entry. Fields that are cultivated or used for growing grass for hay or silage should also be avoided and walkers should skirt the perimeter of these areas or find an alternative route. And this is something in Shetland that is quite common where crofters will grow parks full of um, grass which they'll then turn into silage which provides essential winter feed for animals. And sometimes it's maybe not obvious that that is what the land is being used for. So you should always kind of just stop and think before you enter a field, have a look around and try and figure out what it is that that park is being used for. And if it is the case that it's being used for growing grass for silage, you should try and avoid walking through it because that'll trample the crop. And it really is essential for when we get into it at this time of year and throughout the winter for providing that extra uh, winter feed for the animals. So several of the crofters I spoke to have been left despairing after a summer or a, a kind of succession of summers of increased footfall at many of the places um, that they are working. And they've recorded several incidences where visitors are not adhering to the outdoor access code. And so this is something that I just wanted to highlight in today's podcast for, as I said, for local people, but also for visitors coming here just to be aware of what the land might be being used for and how you can access it safely. And the striking takeaway for me after speaking to crofters across Shetland was that what they're seeing is a serious reduction in the numbers of nesting birds. And these are both the indigenous birds and migratory birds which come here year on year. And they say that this is a direct result of increased footfall and more specifically dogs being taken onto the land, disrupting the wildlife and the livestock. So increasing visitor numbers have also had a direct effect on how many of the crofters are managing their land, with many of them reporting that they've had to actually reduce numbers of grazing livestock due to increasing numbers of sheep which are being either driven off the cliffs so they're losing animals or they're being driven away from their kind of usual areas of pasture. So it's kind of changing their grazing habits and that's causing problems. So they've um, reduced the stock numbers that they're keeping on the land in uh, specific areas. So at Featherland, which is up in the north of Shetland, it's a fantastic place to visit. It has a 19th century fishing station there, so lots of historic buildings. That sees an increase in people visiting year on year. And between 2006 and 2013, there was a 6% increase every year on people visiting the area, with 2,300 people going in 2013. And since then, these numbers have continued to grow. And crofters say that the past two years have been particularly busy and that they're fast approaching a kind of tipping point and one of the major issues, like I, I mentioned, was that dogs are often being allowed to run off their leads. Um, one crofter told me that free-running dogs will just follow their nose as they sense what we don't. They scare the birds out of their nests. And what they're seeing is many of the birds 
which in the past had nested in areas are just not coming back. And they say that at one time dogs were never really allowed in the hill unless it was a can day where they were taking the sheep, um, ga- like gathering up the sheep. And so it's, it's a, a relatively modern thing to see so many people taking dogs into the hill. And although the Outdoor Access Code does allow this, crofters are really urging people to just ensure that dogs are kept on a lead at all times. But it would be totally unfair to solely blame dog owners and similarly it would be unfair to blame visitors to the Isles. The overall feeling from many of the crofters that I spoke to was that it's local local people that are the problem and it stems from not a lack of respect but just a lack of understanding about the land use and what the land is being used for uh, and the wildlife that's in the area. Although they do, they do say that many people do disregard the signs and polite notices and continue to block access tracks and shades, which is a, a blatant lack of respect. And they claim that this is being seen more frequently across the aisles. So just a, another message there, if you are going to go out into the outdoors, just make sure that where you leave or park your vehicle is somewhere that's not going to impede on anyone that's trying to work the land or access their um, their hill land or their shades or anything like that. Uh, one crofter that I spoke to on the west side who keeps cattle and sheep reported that 90% of people ignored the signs that were put in place for their own safety, also the safety of their livestock. But they had signs up which warned people that there were cattle in the fields and to avoid the area just for a six week period and this is really important because a cow that's just had her first calf will be very protective of that calf and probably more dangerous than a bull and we've seen in recent weeks across uh, Scotland we've seen several walkers who have been killed by cattle so it's really important that when we're out and about that we look at the signs that are up and if there's a sign that says that there are cows, sheep, lambs and to avoid the field then it's just important that we try and find a a different route to where it is that we're going. So many crofters here have just described it as they're at their wit's end at the moment so I thought that I would just do a podcast to kind of just kind of highlight a few of the points that have been brought up. But what crofters don't want is they don't want to put people off going on their land and in fact the the crofter at Featherland he has recently he's padlocked his gate which is the provides the kind of access track for four by four vehicles but he he doesn't want to stop people going to Featherland but he asks if anybody wants to use the access track which is a private road that they contact him and pay a small fee towards the upkeep of the road and it just means that he is aware of who's going in and out and who's using the track and if he's got any kind of land management things going on that he can kind of work around that and he's immensely proud of the area and he really wants people to enjoy it he says that he likes seeing people appreciating the place but that he has noted a decrease in the number of nesting birds, including arctic terns and oyster catchers. 
and similar declining numbers have been noted in the Muckleroy area, another popular spot in recent years. The golden plovers who have always nested there have felt to nest. This year they came and they were kind of looking around for their nesting site, but they were scared off, so they didn't nest this year for, for the second year. And one crofter just reminded me that as custodians of the countryside, we have to accept that more people will be coming here. And the trick is to educate them on what they need to do in the area. So it's all about education and just making people aware. And that kind of leads on to another problem that's facing them is that just people have no idea what the land is used for. They, they might think that a field is empty, but that might be this year's hay or silage crop that's being grown. Or it might be that it is used for cattle, but that the cattle are out of sight. So you might go in and then come on the, the cattle, which could lead to a dangerous situation. So you have to just be aware of what land use is happening. And just remember that every area of Shetland is owned and managed by someone. Only this summer I saw videos on Instagram of people walking through barley fields just weeks before it was set to be harvested. And this type of thing is hugely upsetting for crofters who have a hard enough time with the short growing season. So if you do see an area that is cultivated, that there are crops growing, then just avoid it, skirt the perimeter or find an alternative route. And I come to this topic with absolutely no crofting background. I'm from a fishing family, but I, like many, enjoy long walks in the countryside too, and I love to visit Shetland's beauty spots. I've been to all the places that I have spoken about so far. But with this, there comes a caveat, and that is that I and we collectively must do it responsibly. So the basic kind of message really is that people need to be educated about how to behave in the outdoors and that this education should start in a formal setting in primary school but failing that uh, I feel that as someone who promotes Shetland, promotes walking, promotes the outdoors, I also have a duty of care to help spread the message and ensure that people are accessing the incredible countryside safely and it's our collective responsibility to ensure that we look after nature and the kind of overriding message is that our countryside is not a playground. It's a habitat, it's a workplace, and it's a incredibly fragile and susceptible to change. And a visitor's attempt to photograph a bird's nest may be all that it takes to prevent a mother returning to that nest. Or the fire that you light on a clifftop not only spoils the area for others, but it may damage the native flora that tentatively clings to thin soils. Or the hours spent listening to the sea on a beach may be enough to stop the Arctic terns coming back to nest there. So we just have to think about our actions and how they might impede on nature, especially during the bird breeding season, so kind of from April through to the end of July give or take. And one crofter offered me a very stark warning that if we don't get a handle on this situation and increase our collective awareness, then we're going to lose the very thing that people come here to value. And he reminded me that we can do 
tremendous damage in a very, very short space of time. So how can we access the outdoors safely and responsibly? And I will put a link to the Scottish Outdoor Access Code in the show notes. But kind of in a nutshell, we have to take responsibility for our own actions. So we have to care for our own safety. We have to keep alert for hazards, paying attention to signs, notices, and take special care with children. We have to respect people's privacy and peace of mind. So we should not act in ways that might annoy or alarm people, especially at night. We have to help land managers and others to work safely and effectively. And we can do this by keeping clear of land management operations like harvesting or fields with pregnant yows or young cattle and lambs. We can avoid damaging crops and we have to always leave gates as we find them. We have to care for the environment, and this is a really big one. We must not disturb wildlife. We have to be extremely mindful during the bird breeding season, and we have to always take our litter away with us. If we have a dog, we should keep it under proper control. And we've spoken about how many crofters really don't like to see dogs running in the hill anyway. Um, but they're popular companions. So if you are taking your your dog into the hill and near livestock or during the bird breeding season, you should always keep that dog on a short lead and always pick up after your dog and dispose of it safely. But really, crofters are finding that dogs are a, a huge problem on the land here and we need to take extra care if we're organizing an event or running a business always talk to the managers of any land or the the crofters when you plan to use it and it's important to remember that we shouldn't look for loopholes to the access rights we are extremely privileged to have this access code and i for one am a real advocate for appreciating what's on our doorstep but we have to do it responsibly and we have to remember that these are areas, these areas are working crofts, their habitats, and they're quite often sites of special scientific interest where human activities can have a huge effect on the habitats. So if in any doubt, contact the crofter. If you see somebody working the land, go and speak to them. Tell them what you plan on doing, where you plan on going. Um, especially if you would like to request access onto a private farm road, you should always ask permission. You should never take a vehicle onto a private farm road without permission. And it's just common courtesy to, to speak to the landowner. And something that here in Shetland we should always try to do where possible. So Shetland really is a walker's paradise. And I mean, I speak about walking all the time. I go walking all the time. We have long swathes of uninterrupted coastline, peaty moorlands, heathery hills and inland lochs offering something for all walkers who come here to enjoy the spectacular scenery. And while we want you to enjoy every inch of our beautiful islands, we also want you to stay safe. So as well as leaving gates as you find them, keeping your dog at home or on a lead, leaving only footprints and avoiding fields with crops, I would kind of add a few Shetland-specific points to that list. So I would say don't take selfies on cliff edges and never, ever walk backwards near a cliff. 
Be aware of strong winds near cliffs as they can cause dangerous gusts and remember that access to some beaches such as Deepdale, the Langair and Rosand, which is sometimes known as Zor, may be hazardous and with loose stones on the kind of approaches down to the beach, you really do have to take extra care with your footing and be sure that you have the means and the ability to climb back up. So always as well as that, have a good pair of sturdy hiking boots and plenty of all-weather clothes. So the weather changes here very quickly, so make sure you're prepared. Uh, you can always lose layers, you can't add any more if you don't have them with you. So just bring plenty of layers and good walking boots. There's often this kind of idea that in a small place like Shetland, walkers will not come into difficulty or become lost. And this really is a misconception. And with the best will in the world, walkers are often caught unaware as low cloud or mist rolling off the sea, reducing visibility and making it difficult to find the route back to safety. And walking in low cloud and fog does become disorientating and areas such as that surrounding Runny's Hill or Rona's Hill, which is Shetland's highest point, often become fog bound, even on what appears to be a fine day. And I have experience of this too. I've lived here all my life and I was out walking one night and the mist or fog came in and it was really disorientating. It was really difficult to kind of try and remember how to get back to the car and so it does happen. So I would urge walkers or anyone for that matter, locals too, who are visiting Shetland to download the free app called What Three Words? And I'll link that in the show notes too. So this is a smartphone app which is used in 193 countries every day and it's available in over 45 languages and it's already used by millions of people worldwide. And Shetland Coast Guard are real advocates of this. They've used it on a few occasions recently where they've been looking for for people who have become lost or uh, dogs that uh, a dog that was to be rescued from falling off a cliff. So they use this and they would encourage people to download it too. And it's not only useful for finding remote locations or streets, events, or in assisting deliveries, but also to ensure safety when you're out and about enjoying the outdoors. When walking, it's often impossible to give emergency services an accurate positioning of where you are or where you think you might be. Our outdoor spaces are vast and many places are unfamiliar and they remain inaccessible and hard to reach. So the What Three Words app allows emergency services to find you quickly by describing exactly where you are using three simple dictionary words. So what they did when they were developing the app was they divided the world into three metre squares and they gave each square a unique combination of three words, meaning that it's the easiest way to find and share exact locations. So, for example, if I were standing at the Market Cross on Lerwick's Commercial Street, my location, using what three words would be combos, looked, lunch. And picking a spot on Rona's Hill, I could be at Eventful Riot Hens. So how can the app help you? Well, quite simply, if you were to become lost or injured in, in, in need of medical assistance while out walking or doing anything in the outdoors, 
then you could relay the three word code from the app to the emergency services, which allows them to locate you faster and more effectively, saving precious time and resources. And I would say that if you download the app before you set out, because not every area of Shetland is covered with a mobile reception or a 3G, 4G signal. So if you have the app downloaded before you set off and you do need it, then it will use like GPS satellite to give you your three words that will identify where you are. So it's a fantastic app. It's free and it could quite literally save your life. And if you do find yourself in an emergency situation or you spot someone else in trouble, then you should always call 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. So I hope that this podcast didn't sound too condescending or too much like a lecture about what you can't do. But I hope that it has given you just a better understanding about how the land is used here, what your rights are, what the rights of the nature, the landowners, livestock, how we can all kind of work together in making sure we all have a, a better, safer experience. And the key really is just to be prepared, know what to expect, uh, make sure you've got good, good footwear, make sure that you know what to kind of expect along the route. And another thing that I probably should mention is that quite a lot of areas of Shetland is made up of blanket peat bog. About 50% of the islands are made up of blanket peat bog. And sometimes, particularly in winter or following a wet winter, then these areas can become very wet and saturated. They're like big sponges, really. So they hold the water. So take care when you're walking in boggy areas because you might... Well, the, the best that can happen is you'll get wet feet, but the worst that could happen is that you could get into to real difficulties. So just be really aware of the landscape, the surroundings, and get out there, enjoy the fantastic scenery, and enjoy it safely. And that's kind of all I've got to say for today. So we will see you next time. Thank you once again. So before I wrap up for today's show, I just wanted to say a few words about camper vans and motorhomes in Shetland. Throughout Scotland this summer, we've seen lots and lots in the news about how these have become a bit of a problem and they're clogging up roads on the the NC500 and just generally not respecting the outdoors. And here in Shetland, we have far fewer numbers of motorhomes and camper vans coming here. But we have seen more and more in recent years. And 99% of the time, we have absolutely no problem with them. And they're very respectful, hardly ever leave litter, and really generally respect the landscape. But there are um, just specifically one point that I'd like to kind of make people more aware of. And that is that where you park up for the night may have an impact on some of the nature around you. So there have been a few instances where camper vans have parked up in a remote location, in a passing place, which is totally fine. There's lots of space here, but sometimes it may be near a freshwater lock 
where red throated divers nest. Now, red throated divers are quite elusive birds, really. They scare very easily and they have their nests on the kind of the side of the freshwater loch and they are spooked from the nest easily. So, the introduction of a camper van for a night or two can be enough to scare a bird from the nest and it has been seen in recent years that birds have been scared away from the nest and they haven't returned which means that they don't have the opportunity to raise their young and the numbers of red-throated divers are declining, they are a protected species and some people coming here are are just unaware that um, these birds might be nesting in the area. So just when you park up somewhere, really just take a moment to have a look around and think about who else you're sharing the space with and how your presence might be affecting them. So that's really kind of everything that I wanted to say today about walking in Shetland, about safety, about the outdoor access code, about just being a bit more mindful about the environment. And it's a it's a, it's a lesson that everybody needs reminded of again. It's a lesson that I need to remind myself of. Quite often we go into the outdoors and we and we just get carried away. We forget that we are maybe sharing it with lots of other species and it is easy to forget when you're just enjoying being out and getting the fresh air. So hopefully this will act as an important reminder for everyone and if anybody has got any questions about coming here and about maybe visiting areas and you're unsure about how to contact landowners then do just get in touch and if I can help then I will and in the meantime thank you for listening thank you for listening this podcast can only be made possible by my supporters on patreon so a huge thank you to all my patrons If you would like to support me in bringing you more of these shows, you can sign up and become a patron. You will find details about how to sign up in the show notes below or at www.patreon.com and just search Shetland with Laurie. And remember, you can find more on Instagram and give me a follow at Shetland with Laurie. So thank you once again for listening and we will see you here next time. And in the meantime, safe and happy travels.